Today on the Agency Broadcast, we take a look back to see just how far inbound sales at HubSpot has come. Welcome everybody to the Agency Broadcast. I'm your host, Alex Crum. I'm a senior professor on the HubSpot Academy, focusing on developing materials for our partner program. And joining me in the studio today is... Kyle Jefferson. I am the sales professor on the Academy team, so I own and create all of our sales-related content. I recently launched our HubSpot sales software certification. Yeah. I'm now looking at other opportunities for content to produce, new certification, and reviewing and, and keeping the inbound sales cert up to date is definitely one of my top priorities. So. This is the agency broadcast. If you don't know what we do here, it's a bi-weekly show where we discuss topics that are most immediately relevant to marketing and sales agencies that want to perfect their services, that want to perfect their initial sales processes. We have a lot of guest agencies coming on. I have a lot of conversations with both Cloda Higgins over here at HubSpot, as well as David Winehouse, who are both part of our agency growth team. They help facilitate a lot of the conversation on a lot of the episodes, in addition to a lot of the guest partners that we have coming on. Kyle, you are a thought leader when it comes to inbound sales and everything related to it on the Academy team over here. Yeah, I, I own all of our sales content and, and sales, the world of sales is changing a lot and very rapidly. A very important part of what I'm doing with the Academy is making sure we stay up to speed and... and well, yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. That's, for, that's yeah. why I wanted to ask you in here because we actually have something from a little while back earlier this year where myself and Pat Shea on the partner marketing team and Mark Roberge were having a conversation around inbound sales and also sales enablement. And this was a couple of months ago. This was back in February. Imagine all that has happened in that amount of time between February and now, changes in the inbound sales landscape. And I think it's a remarkable interview because not only is it still on point when it comes to the principles for inbound sales, you can hear Mark Roberge talking about those things. It also is a little bit prophetic that we had a pretty good thought leadership on that from the get-go, and then we put forward all of the training on these topics, and it's neat to see how it all coalesced. Nonetheless, it is still a very interesting interview, and there's a lot of really cool insight that Mark provides during the talk with both myself and Pat Shea. What I want to do today, Kyle, is play the interview that we did a couple of months ago. You and I will give it a listen, then we'll come back around with some thoughts and just do a digest on what has happened in the last couple of months since some of these statements were made, what is still really holding true in the advice that Mark gives during the talk. Maybe do a little bit of speculation on what might be coming up next. We do have the resident expert on that topic here in the studio with us in you. Maybe we can do a little bit of speculation on what might be coming up in the early 2017, just to give people a little bit of a preview of stuff. Love it. Let's do it. Awesome. We will be right back. Folks, enjoy the interview with myself, Alex, Pat Shea, who is the director of our partner marketing team, and also Mark Roberge. Now is the time to get excited. I'm joined by a whole peloton of HubSpotters. Does everybody want to laugh at uh, the Peloton yes. joke? Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm also joined by a number of fantastic HubSpotters. Uh, Patrick, Mark. Uh, Mark Roberge works on the HubSpot Academy team. 
He is also a professor at Harvard Business School. He was also employee number four at HubSpot. He was our first uh, sales rep, first sales director, first sales VP. Lots of firsts for Mark, which is cool. But uh, he uh, led the HubSpot sales organization for a number of years and then took on a new challenge a couple years ago to build out the sales product strategy at HubSpot. If we're talking about the CRM, if we're talking about the sales tools, and we're talking about sales enablement as a service or what it means to lead a sales team and use these tools, we pretty much couldn't have done better with today's guest speaker. Mark, was that was that was that a good introduction? Too much, Patrick. Okay. You're going to give me an ego. It was too much. Okay, that's what I shoot for. I shoot I shoot to overload. Uh, but we've got a bunch of great questions for Mark. But Mark, how about uh, I mean, you said my introduction was too much, but what did I miss? What have what have, what have, what have you tell tell the tell the folks a little bit about yourself? Been a great run at HubSpot. You know, I've uh, I've I've always looked at the world through a lens of uh, of data and science and in uh, inbound in this new age of of marketing and selling. So it's been really fun to help pioneer these these thoughts and and how and all the stuff that you guys have done to to help us bring these thoughts to life. So thank you very much. I've probably met most of you at Inbound over the last eight years or so and excited to uh, to keep trucking here in the world of sales. You know, I don't know what else we're going to cover here between the comments from the audience and, and your guys <laughs> over. Like, these are really good stuff. Well, so you've, uh, you actually, you worked with, uh, I know you worked with Pete kind of like the early days of the partner program. So, you, so you've got the whole like services model yeah. that our partners are going for. Sure. Scale of one to ten, how exciting is having those sales tools on the back end of marketing? I think I'm 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 lobbing it to you. So yeah. <laughs> you're, you're it it's, an, it's, it's an eleven. I mean, <laughs> I think you know, okay. and I, it's not even for something that I've been passionate about. But when I when I do go out and talk with partners, the excitement that comes from them, I've never had a partner come up and say, "Why the heck did you guys go into the sales software and CRM arena?" They're always just like, "Thank God, what took so long." And all the things you guys are talking about here, I mean, I think there's some really unique opportunities for the partner channel. I think all of us have been frustrated, especially the par- frustrated, especially the partners where we feel like the final miles outside of our control. You know, we're doing totally. all this amazing work. Totally. We're, 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 we're generating demand in a way that it's aligned with today's buyer. It's working. And then how many times do I come across sales teams that are like, yeah, but these leads suck. <laughs> it's like, no, no, they don't. No, you just don't. you're selling them in a le- legacy way. So right. this is such an opportunity for us as you know a company that's really influenced marketing to bring that same influence to sales. And what's really cool as we've gone in this journey is the transition is easy because all the fundamental elements that drove the transition in in marketing are the same for sales. It all starts with the buyer. So all the stuff we've been talking about, how today's buyers empower, the, the internet's changed the way that they find and research and purchase products, they all apply to sales. Sure. And so many of the advice we've been giving in the world of marketing around being helpful and educate and uh, very con- specific to the buyer's context, it's the exact same advice on the sales side as well. So uh, you know, even though this is a new frontier for us to enter- introduce influence, all the authority we've built up and the skills that we've had and how to influence marketing apply perfectly to sales. We actually, you know, believe it or not, did some preparation on this, so we didn't have to like let you stand up here and like flail. Uh, I I had some curiosity, and this is actually something that Karen has asked in the chat, and this was one of the questions that I had listed off as well that I wanted to make sure that we cover, and it has to do with bundling all of that stuff together. That means marketing and sales. As you said, it is it is going to be really similar the way that you empower your marketer and you empower your salesperson. So when it comes to agencies and putting together 
specifically a retainer, when do you when do you introduce that conversation? Do you recommend that agencies just bring it into the conversation from the get-go when they're putting together their retainers and bring it up as, oh yeah, by the way, we're going to do inbound sales to make sure that you're actually capitalizing on the marketing efforts? How do you yeah. start lumping that into everything that they're offering as an agency? Yeah, it's a good question. And this is an area where it probably is a little bit different from a packaging standpoint. You know, I think we on the marketing side, we're used to, okay, I've got you bought into inbound marketing. Now you realize how much work this is and how much ongoing work this is. This is about generating blogs forever. It's about building eBooks forever. It's about building landing pages forever. And that's overwhelming to a client when they hear that. Input, great marketing agency, right? So it's really easy to start justifying a nice retainer for these clients. That context doesn't necessarily exist as strongly in sales, okay? So what I'd, what I'd frame up for you is, first off, it always d- depends on the customer's, the client's needs, right? So if they are really in love with the marketing side and just want to do the demand gen, I might just leave the sales part out of it for now and just keep them focused. Um, if they really need a holistic approach and they're just like, do whatever you need to think is best, you can actually do both at once and you'll find that whether you're building the marketing journey from scratch or whether you're building the sales process from scratch, this always starts with the buyer journey and persona development. It's very true. And so what you're going to start there as a foundation and then in parallel be de- delivering the marketing tactics around sort of top of the funnel and middle of the funnel. You'll also be delivering some of the collateral and process on how salespeople will be supporting the buying process and the process they'll be taking folks through. So for folks who are just eating out of your hand, you can sort of set up both at once. Then you've got folks who, and this is where the real power of, I think, the sales opportunity comes in. You've got those folks who are just a little overwhelmed, they're a little bit skeptical, and you know it's gonna be a challenge to get them on board knowing that the time and effort to value for the marketing side is enormous, uh-huh. right? We all know that you don't write three blog articles and you're on the top page, you're on the front page of Google. No, it's a little more happen. to it, a little more to it than that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're talking about a, a multiple month, you know, runway before real values start to be seen. That's not the case in sales, you know, and in, in, in the CRM, the, the the time and effort to value is is much tighter, and because the CRM is free. You guys have a lot of latitude to really lower the friction of a client getting engaged with you. It could even be, you know, just like really low price, really low time and effort to value. So that's really, you know, if you find these circumstances where you've got these skeptical folks and you just want to get a foot in the door, the sales op- opportunity creates a great, great uh, path to, to do that. And that, that really does uh, make for more simple unity between the two halves and the, the tough part, and this is actually something that Pat and I were talking about when we were, we were thinking about how to put together some of these questions, is are there, are there potential stumbling blocks for, say, a marketer at an agency that if they knew that to make their work at uh, using HubSpot be even more successful, if they wanted to bring it over to the sales side, how, how could they make sure that they don't run into established or entrenched processes how do we how do we facilitate the speediness of this? Sure. Because the CRM is fast, it is yeah. easy to adopt, it's free, and the time the time to value is you know it's really fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, a lot of this is circumstantial to the context you find. So let's let's bucket a couple of these contexts. Uh, first off, you could find for some of these smaller organizations where marketing and the business owner who originally bought into your whole philosophy actually own sales too. And this, this transition is going to be pretty easy, 
right? Because they're just, they're already bought into a new way of selling. To be honest with you, as you start to understand the technology, which most of, most of you have here, there is no integration work here. The first product I know of that the sales and the marketing software are the same thing sitting on the same database. You don't integrate it. You no. literally <laughs> just click, turn it on, and all that data is there. So for, for this type of buyer who's already engaged with what you're talking about, this is almost like a nice UI that's, that's, that's um, you know, customized toward the sales side of doing business with these particular leads. So like a sales-ready UI is exactly. almost, yeah. I mean, Which it's, is like, a, it's a marketing I, tool with a, sales, with a sales UI. And so many folks have been trying to hack this anyway. Yeah. On capturing notes about the sales process, even navigating through, this just makes it that much easier to do. Again, no integration work. Now, getting back to the context, you don't always find that. Sometimes you've been dealing with a marketer or a business owner, and there happens to be a head of sales elsewhere. And now, now we have to feel out the mindset of that head of sales, okay? Did that head of sales grow up in a legacy company, a big company for the last 30 years, and is like, don't you dare tell me how to sell. I've been selling for 30 years. It hasn't changed at all. And if they're having success with that, you're going to have an uphill battle. You really are. Versus if you find one that is struggling, and they're struggling for all the reasons that we preach in, in inbound, that they're just really struggling to get through to buyers. They're seeing longer sales cycles. They're seeing themselves lose to competition. You're probably going to have a head of sales that's more open to a conversation. And you can also honestly just feel out the, the political dynamics we're dealing with here. Does that head of sales report to marketing? What is the relationship between the business owner who's bought in to inbound and that head of sales? So you really got to feel out the context there and, and then strategize about how to how to go in and, and influence that sales leader. Does that make sense, Alex? Yeah, absolutely. So I've got, I've got a question here. We want sales to understand the software and the tools in place, but also have the mindset to close an inbound lead like with the, high, you know, the highest conversion rate on inbound leads, right? Helps all of our agencies get better return on their marketing services. They keep their clients longer, all that sort of stuff. Is it as simple? So is educating a sales rep on the value of an inbound lead, is it as simple as saying read the ebook we wrote like understand the conversion event right is it is it is it that simple or are there as an experienced yeah, sales sure. leader mark are there other things that are off the list of just well if you want to understand an inbound lead understand the conversion event which means read the ebook it's yeah. got to be more complicated than that yeah so let me answer that question but let me bring it out to a slightly higher level where i don't want to restrict this response to simply selling an inbound lead sure because this can get really complicated where Folks could think that inbound, you know, only applies to inbound leads, and I don't think it does. It really is a new mindset on how to go to market, whether through a marketing vehicle or a sales vehicle. And then I'll get back to actually how to handle an inbound lead. The philosophy around selling in an inbound way really comes down to personalizing the entire experience to the buyer's context, right? So sure. when we think about legacy salespeople. They're notorious for going out and saying, I know who we sell to. We sell to CIOs of telecom companies. Let's buy a list of CIOs of telecom companies and then send cold emails and cold voicemails out to Target them. Tell them about stuff. our yeah. elevator pitch. And when they jump on the phone, we'll tell them our elevator pitch and hope that 1% of them are willing to look at my slide deck that I put and I show them all the same slide deck and I give them the same proposal. It's like... Are you being sarcastic, I, Mark? That sounds like I a mean, great approach. What's right. crazy is... 
I still get a ton of salespeople coming sure. after me and they still do this. There's something worth it about it's that like, 1%. I could have spent five minutes on your website and gotten all this information. Sure. What value are you giving to me? Right. Whether you're dealing with an inbound lead or whether you actually have to proactively go out and find passive leaders, you apply inbound selling to that. And it really means really personalizing the process, not the generic voicemail, not the generic email, not the generic sales process, but a great style of understanding what their unique needs and value are and personalize the entire sales process to them. Mm. Okay. That's really the inbound selling nature. Now, getting back to your question of inbound lead, that has its own dynamic to it. Because when we go out and we proactively find accounts to call, we deal with the C-level, you know, we go after the decision maker. Sure. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be like, oh, let me try to get this account. Let me call the intern, right? I'm going to call the decision maker. <laughs> And I'm going to approach the decision maker with the things that decision makers care about. Gross margin, profit, revenue growth, et cetera. Right. The problem that people have when they transition to inbound leads is it's sometimes not the decision maker. Sometimes it is the intern sure. that download the ebook. Right, right. But the salespeople fail to realize who do you think told the intern to download the ebook, right? <laughs> they call up the intern and they, they approach the intern in their older way of like they're calling the C-suite and the intern's like, what's gross margin? Right? right, And the, the rep just hands up and they're like, that was a crappy lead. Right. They, but the lead came right. from a beautiful business, a perfect business. And what you have to do is appreciate, either call the intern, help them out, and then ask them things like, who told you to download the ebook? Why? Right. What is your boss asking you about? What did the CEO talk about at the last company meeting? And now you have this internal coach that can help you to navigate this deal. Or just don't even call the intern, just call the executive. Somebody on your say, team. Yeah, we get right. a number of inquiries on this particular topic, lead generation from Facebook. Why is that happening and who should I speak to? That's great. Yeah. Right. So you can go in with context. So that's a couple of the, the pieces on how to sell an inbound lead. Uh, you know, better. So it sounds like there's the there's the uh, let's buy a list elevator pitch. See my slide deck, one percent return, which is working for some folks. Yeah, no judgment, no judgment. Passed. Listen, if, if yeah, <laughs> if if you come across sales leaders that have that mindset, you're gonna have an uphill battle. Uphill battle, sure. Totally. Getting getting in, there's a way to do it, but you got to take a provocative, challenger approach. But I, I I haven't seen a lot of sales leaders that that are succeeding with that approach. It's it's an interesting note though. On the flip side, the second thing you talked about is. Um, talking with people at your clients to have potentially a couple of different paths or a couple of different things that they look for. You know, based on title, you might have a direct hit and you know what to do there. It's just a little bit warmer than you expect or what you're used to. But then there's also this influencer route that you need to take. And judging on the type of person that downloads it, there are different ways to kind of yes. navigate your way through that organization. Some salespeople are better than that than others. Yes. Some exactly. aren't good at getting through the organization. Right. And it really starts with setting up that buyer journey buyer persona map, right? Sure. So it's like really just appreciating, are we dealing with a CIO? Are we dealing with an end user? Or are we dealing with an intern? Right. They're all valuable to me in the sales process and I'll have to deal with them in a different way. And I just need to appreciate who they are and what stage they're at. Obviously, if a CEO of a perfect fit company comes into my website and downloads an ebook, I don't want that going to a lead nurturing campaign. No, no, no. <laughs> I want to call that person. Pick up but if phone. an intern does, then great, let's just nurture them. You know what I mean? And this is where I thought that other point that a lot of you guys are bringing up in the chat is the power of the sales and marketing alignment with this type of model. Sure. Right? Because when you don't have these things aligned, the buyer can feel that. The buyer can feel that like, hey, I downloaded this ebook, and then guess what? 
the company sent me five pieces of collateral related to that subject over the next week. It was awesome. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Then they get a voicemail and it's like, hey, would you like to hear my generic demo that I give to everybody else? And it's like, <laughs> dude, I had this beautiful experience. Yeah. And then I'm good. the salesperson, <laughs> it was like, it was disjointed. They can right. feel that disjointedness. Sure. And that's, that's the other big thing that comes from this and presents an opportunity for us as partners is to, to help implement that seamless experience. Sure, totally. Okay, how about uh, how about we'll do uh, we'll do one more uh, formalized question yeah, for sure. Mark, a quick one, and then we'll. So, um, uh, Mark, I asked you. We, we showed a couple of examples of partners that have you know actually like sales enablement services built out and stuff like that. I've, mm-hmm. I've heard anecdotally from a couple of partners that if you're going to lead with that stuff that heavy, you're almost you know you're that's like additional responsibility you're taking on that account. So there's like, you know, if things aren't working perfectly on the sales side, now you've got to pay attention to that in addition to the marketing stuff. So it's just, it's more responsibility. It's more stuff the agency's working on. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're trying to avoid that and you want to kind of see if your agency's built out to do this type of stuff with like a pilot client or something, what, what would be one or two things that you think a partner could do kind of lightweight stuff to see how they are equipped to handle this? Yeah, good question. I probably, I think the easiest way is... Uh, given your expertise on the marketing side, you're probably really good at generating content that aligns with buyer persona and buyer needs. And I would extend that value to the sales side, right? And just try to build in in the same way that you've done a good job of building out, here's your different buyers and here's the stages they're at and here's the collateral and the calls to actions that you want to do. Just apply that education to the sales side and, and teach the salespeople how to sniff out wh- who the buyer is, what stage they're at, and equip the salespeople with an easy way on, on which collateral and which points they want to be making at each stage. That's probably a really easy transition, and it's huge, huge value for the sales organization. Great, great. Folks, what about some, some questions from Mark? We, have, we actually we just tossed uh, Doug Burnett, our, our good friend Duck. Uh, Doug just posted a link to uh, Mark's book, The Sales Acceleration Formula that he wrote, which is a, which is right, a, darn, which is a darn good one. Darn good one. Uh, check it out. And uh, let's see, we, we had a couple of questions about approach based on downloads and the inbound leads, which we talked about, feel good about talking about that. Um, uh, salesforce.com one's a good one, that question there. Which one's that? Uh, at the end here. Oh, it just, just popped up, sure. I, let's just generalize that from like, instead of just talking about Salesforce, let's talk about how do you deal when they already have a CRM, okay? So what I'd say there is, if they don't have a CRM, that's great. You know, what I'd be looking at there is... Um, how many customers do they close a year? You know, if they close two customers a year, and sometimes you find that, you probably don't need to have a CRM or build a process. It's rare to find that. Um, Usually there's a decent amount of flow there, and even just organizing the stuff in one spot is valuable. If they do have a CRM, your immediate next question is, are they happy with it, right? If they are, you're probably sniffing in the wrong spot for now, right? If they're not, you want to just dive into why, you know? And if they say, well... I'm just really frustrated that it doesn't do like correlated algorithms for my sales pipeline analysis. Then you're like, ah, you're probably not a good fit for us. <laughs> but it was more like, it's just so much more complicated than we need. And it's just, it's just the reps don't use it because there's all this like, unnecessary process built in. You're probably dealing with someone that's a good fit and you can kind of double click into those, those uh, issues that they're having and see if we can align with RCM a little bit better. So hopefully that gives you a little framework. No CRM, just dive into how much sales funnel they have going on. CRM, to see if they're happy with it. And if they're not, dig into those problems. We can probably do a good job matching those. Awesome. And I think that fits really well um, as a really good segue to just becoming comfortable with those questions. You know, a lot of people don't know well enough to say, hey, are you comfortable with your CRM as it exists right now? And 
just be be bold, you guys. Have have the guts to actually ask those questions because you're not going to get anywhere into that CRM conversation or into the sales conversation or into a lot of other conversations without going out there and asking those questions. Mark, we'll get you out of here. And uh, thank you so much for, for coming on. It was Thanks, wonderful, wonderful to have you, have your expertise and your experience. It was it was just fantastic. Right. Buy Mark's book on Amazon. Well, first off, yeah, you don't have to publish publicize it, but thank you for the support. And also, just to make a quick point there, all the proceeds of the book go to build.org, which is a nonprofit awesome. that um, benefits, uh, I think, the top 10 cities in the world have really tough neighborhoods in them, neighborhoods where the kids end up in like gangs on the mm-hmm. street. Build.org brings those kids into entrepreneurship, gets them to start a company as a freshman in high school, and they have huge success. So thanks for the support on the books. If you are going to mention yeah. it, I want to mention Build.org too and all the proceeds. No, go to Build.org. Right, it's you, fantastic. Guys. And we're back in the present day. When we were talking about it back in February in this interview, they were saying, oh yeah, it's it's an integration that's going to be so easy. You and I are thinking of it as one entity at this point. Right. There are cultural things to overcome in companies. Sales doesn't really like marketing sometimes, and marketing doesn't really like sales. They talk about different things, but really their goals are the same. And, yeah. and these two teams, even though they will probably always be separate teams if you have a company of a certain size, mm-hmm. um, they really should be aligned and focused on the same goals, and they should be working together to, to navigate toward getting more revenue for their company. And Yeah. And shared vocabulary into why, yeah. say, marketing is functioning the way that it is alongside how marketing, I, I assume this is how people are positioning the flow, but marketing brings in leads and sales is able to work them further down the funnel. And just starting with language around something like the buyer's journey and everybody understands what that is and it's not completely foreign. And your personas yeah. and, and just having ways to describe the leads themselves, their context. Yeah. Context is really, I think we're going to see a lot more talk about context in general. In, in Halligan's keynote at Inbound last week, he, uh, he said in marketing, content is king. In sales, context is king. Yeah. And so if the marketing team can provide that context to sales, they can say this lead is this persona and they converted with this you know, piece of content or whatever, they're likely problems they're trying to overcome or this, this and that. Then when sales comes in, it can be a really personalized conversation. That's the whole recipe for success in sales these days is just personalized to the needs of the individual individual contact. Uh, and that's, yeah. that, that's Cont- not- Context and personalization are things that popped up, I mean, popped up constantly in Halligan's speech, popped up constantly in what Mark and Pat Shea and I discussed in the interview, but you know, yeah. I mean, it alarmed me how much it shows up in the inbound sales certification that the Academy built and you and I worked on. Yeah, absolutely. And if you just, even if you just watch the, the introductory segment of that uh, certification. Yeah, it, with Mark. With Mark. Yeah. Uh, Mark says, he basically defines inbound sales as a sales process that's personalized to the needs of individual buyers. Yeah. And that's that's the whole story, right? We've we've built out a full certification to explain how to do that at each stage of the sale. But basically, inbound in the world of sales means you're thinking about the individual buyer, about their needs, about their context, and you're giving them the things that are relevant to them and not bothering with the stuff that they don't care about. And you hope that your company is the solution to the pain point that you discover through that conversation. 
catering to the context and catering to the personal needs of that potential buyer is something that you go after as a salesperson. If you're an inbound salesperson, you're recognizing that, yeah, we could help these people. You also might realize that, you know what, we're not the best solution for them. Yeah, and that's actually, that's a very important thing, especially if you're in any sort of service-oriented field, which so many things are. Software has become a service. Everything yes. is, is becoming contractual service-based. a service. Exactly, yeah. right. <laughs> and if, if you're in any sort of service-based realm, if there's any service component to your offering, not selling to people you're a bad fit for is very important because if you get customers you can't serve well, they'll just be unhappy and then they'll post on the internet, on yeah. Yelp, on some place that your prospects will see and be deterred from working with you in the future. So the, the short-term gain of just closing a sale for the purpose of hitting your quota or whatever it has long-term negative consequences in the world of, of modern internet communication. And looking back to the interview, seeing where Pat asked Mark a question around how do you present this information about inbound sales to an existing sales team? And he said, do you just slide a white paper across uh, a table to help educate a salesperson <laughs> on what inbound sales is? The great thing about that is you don't have to do that anymore no. because there's slightly more learning around it in the form of uh, videos, in the form of the certification courses. I mean, I just did that. It wasn't last weekend, but it was the weekend before. I sat down and watched all the videos all at once. Not not all at once. I didn't have them all up on like a, a, a right, like yeah. all these little these tiny windows. Like I'm like, cranked them all up to 150 <laughs> and watched them all at once. No, I don't quite work like that. I did sit there and absorb the entire thing all in one go, and it's really affirming understanding that they are designed to be devoured like that. Yeah, they have. We did. We put them in that order on purpose. They are built that way on purpose to educate again with context to help salespeople understand where inbound sales could potentially work at their company and at their agency, perhaps uh, most relevant to the audience that might be listening today as well as helping them understand the context for their potential buyer. Right. And on this topic of, you know, back in February, uh, where how do you educate your salespeople about inbound sales? What do, is there an ebook or something? Let's shrug together. Let's shrug together. <laughs> now, that is that is not the case and and if we want to speculate about the future and what's coming, I I don't know exactly all the things I will produce in 2017, but sort of my whole job at this point is to build out the academy on the sales side, the same way it we've built it out on, on the marketing side, where yep. we have lots, numerous rich resources on a variety of topics. We need that same thing on the sales side. Yeah. And I can I can pretty much guarantee that, that as 2017 goes along, you will see more and more resources for, for questions like that. How do I educate this person on inbound sales? How do I sell them on this idea? You will have more and more resources to do the that. The really humbling thing that I came across while at Inbound I asked a lot of people about how do they plan for a coming quarter and how do they plan for a coming year. A bunch of the agencies that I spoke to said, well, we come to inbound. That's our first kind of planning moment for the coming year, which was flattering to say the least. Yeah. And the other thing that kept on coming up as I was speaking to these agencies was, man, we don't plan for the entire year. We plan for Q1 of next yeah. year. How do you speculate on, well, by Q3, we're going to be pulling in this amount of revenue and no, no, no. There's so much speculation, only so much speculation that you can do. And there's only so much planning that you can do. But you can plan really, really hard 
for the coming quarter. You can get a really good estimate on what you want to do at the start of next year, maybe even into Q2. But to say that you know exactly where you're going to be in Q4 of 2017 is an outrageous claim. And right. No, not even the best agencies in the world know that. But we do know that we are going to be developing a lot of resources, like you said, to speak directly to those sales needs. Yeah. The anecdote that Mark had about how to follow up with either the intern or the CEO role was funny because it reminded me of something that was in the sales certification where we taught people how to engage based on the information that you have on a lead. And that way you don't have people rolling over into, say, a workflow when they are identified as a CEO type. Right. And you don't want those guys to get lost in the weeds. There's a process in place for understanding if there are certain qualifications, you go in and you engage with them most appropriately. I did like how they brought that up because that teaching has kind of been canonized. Like we know know what to do in those scenarios. Right. And I think that's something we're going to continue developing intelligence around just because there is this sort of old-fashioned notion in sales that if the person on the phone can't answer the questions you're asking or, or doesn't seem like the right person at the company like mark said you just hang up on yeah, them. And the whole company is shot that and whole yeah lead, like oh that was a bad lead. yeah and you call it a bad lead and you you know write an angry email to marketing or whatever and, yeah. and then you're done and that's that's really not the the way with inbound sales with with inbound sales every person at a company is a person, uh, and and I really liked it again in Halligan's keynote at, at this recent inbound. He said, "There's no such thing as a B two B company. We're all B two H companies, which is business to human, right? Yeah. And whether you're selling to individual consumers or or you're selling to enormous multinational corporations, it's the people you talk to who are going to do the actual buying and signing of contracts and handing over of money." I think inbound sellers never lose sight of that. That yeah, even if it you is, you can't dehumanize that. Yeah, even if it is just an intern or a receptionist or, or whatever sort of person you're talking to on the phone right now, uh, that influencer route is really it's becoming more and more important all the time. Yeah, you log. Who did I speak to? Okay, great. You log it in the CRM. That person goes in. Right. Who did you speak to the next day? It's somebody else. Log them in this in your CRM. Right come back and you get in touch with the same company a week later, still following up because the deal is not dead, the lead isn't dead at that point, you're able to identify that you had traffic from the company in that week in between perhaps, and you spoke to two different people who picked up the phone, and by then it's, oh yeah, Johnny's back in the office, Janie is back in the office, Right. great, can you, can you put me on with them or can I get in touch with them directly? When you have the evidence of, yeah, oh, oh, Johnny was the person that I'm looking for? Might Johnny have been the person who came and looked at our blog in the week between my conversation with you last time? That anecdotal evidence, that human interaction, that understanding and communication is the real deal. Yeah. And people say, oh, this isn't some, some horrible company trying to sell me something. It's a salesperson who understands what their role is in all of this. It is... The salesperson getting in touch with this company and saying, it looked like they were reading this blog post on this topic. It looked like they were looking for a solution on this challenge that they might be facing. I was following up with them to see if they needed more help or if they needed a further explanation on this topic. I know they have also read about this and that and they we have them in, their, in our database as well. Oh man, that is suddenly a very unsalesy thing to do. It means that there's a solution here 
by interacting with not one, not two, not three, but potentially even more people at a company, it becomes very clear that an inbound salesperson is a solution builder. Right. Well, and if you are putting all that stuff, all that information, all those conversations in your CRM, then when you finally talk to Johnny or whoever the yeah. the decision maker is, you can say, you know, as a sales rep, you can just be very upfront and like, well, you know, Sam at the front desk, the receptionist I talked to first mm -hmm. seemed like maybe this wasn't a direction you were going in. But then when I talked to your intern, wow, she was really on fire about this and, and felt like it was one of your top priorities. And I, you know, there, there seemed to be conflicting thoughts. Where do you stand as a company? Where is, are you as an individual? And you start to be this really informed, yeah, I've talked to people at your company. I'm not just coming at you out of the blue and assuming, you know, I am going to solve all your problems. I'm, yeah. I'm really reconnoitering your, your business here. I'm, I'm getting, getting intelligence on the lay of the land and, and I'm here to help. Yeah. So you mentioned during, during our time listening to the interview recording, you mentioned something around marketing. Yeah. So that came up in, in the interview with Mark Robert here. And, uh, and I think that's a topic that's going to matter more and more as time goes on. If we want to speculate about the future, it's no mystery that this is a this is an arena that HubSpot is really leaning into heavily, not just methodologically, but with our actual software. Yes. At Inbound, uh, we announced this growth stack. Uh, we now have freemium aspects on the marketing side as well as the sales side, and we are really pushing hard to try to get to a place where HubSpot is a solution for marketing and sales together, and not separate solutions that happen to integrate. As they said, it's not an integration. It's it's one platform that serves both sides equally well. True. And, and the more we can get marketing and sales speaking the same language and communicating with each other and, and, uh, and working as a single team, the better off the experience will be not just for your company and for your revenue, but for, for your prospects, for your leads you're working with. And as an agency, as a HubSpot agency partner, the listeners here, I can't stress enough how much you're going to start noticing that coming from your colleagues within the partner community, as well as coming from HubSpot. That is going to be thematically a really big deal in 2017 when it comes to what should you be doing if you're in a growth mindset? Or if you're at a brand new agency, how should we structure things? It's going to be built around being a full stack company, around being around a full stack agency, getting everybody aligned, making sure that the vocabulary is consistent between sales, marketing, and everything in between, making sure that you know how you are going to share all of these resources, exactly back to this marketing. Yeah, thing. and I think it's important to point out that just because a company is using HubSpot for both marketing and sales doesn't mean their marketing and sales is automatically aligned perfectly. Yeah. You can still be completely siloed, living in your own little world, marketing is developing leads and sending them to sales and sales never bothers following up with those leads or marketing never hears what happens to them. Uh, and that is not really any better than having two entirely different systems. No, it is not. And, and so I, I think definitely for the partners who are who are providing our software to to their clients, it's important to that you all cultivate intelligence around that so that you can teach people, yes, you, using the same software for marketing and sales is great, but you also need to develop this vocabulary. So you're talking about the same. You need to create goals that align both teams and keep teams accountable to each other. So marketing, promises sales certain things and delivers on those things. And sales promises marketing certain things and delivers on those things. Yeah. And uh, 
And I think as time goes on, that's going to become more and more important. And, and that alignment aspect is really what's going to set aside growing up and coming companies from, from stagnating, wilting companies. Yeah. I spoke to an agency at Inbound and he is making all of his new clients get certified on pretty much everything. <laughs> that means inbound certification, that means inbound sales certification. This is his end, his end clients. He's an agency and he's making his channel deals get certified so that way they can have more productive conversations to make sure everybody understands what they are delivering and what value the end client is getting. That is, if you want some top tier client relationship stuff, that is where you go. You get even your clients certified on these things because that helps you demonstrate the value of the entire relationship that you want to last for not just months or the length of a project, but years into the future so the two companies can really grow together. So that's my pro tip of the day Yeah. for any partners listening. If you want to take an extra step and you really think that you have a super valuable, super with it channel deal that you love working with and you wish all of your clients were like that, have them get sales certified, have them get inbound certified. Even if they aren't necessarily working within the HubSpot tools themselves, it's great to bring them up to speed. That way you're all speaking the same language. Absolutely. I think that's all we have time for. <laughs> Thank you, Kyle, for coming on the show. I appreciate you taking the time uh, coming out of inbound. I know we're we're all pretty tired, and now we're just getting back to work. Is yeah. how it how it happens. And uh, in America, we have Thanksgiving week coming up, and I just wanted to make sure that everybody had something to listen to over that time, which is why we're recording this ahead of time, so we can all eat turkey on the normal Thursday that these episodes would be going live. I think uh, we all deserve a break at this point and just want to make sure that everybody had something to listen to. You can follow me, Alex, on Twitter. My handle is at Alex underscore crumb. Kyle, do you have anything that you want to plug? Uh, no, that's, uh, my, my Twitter handle actually follows that same format. It's at Kyle underscore Jepson. Yeah, so. I felt weird. It feels weird saying saying that out loud. Like, yeah, there's an underscore in there. It doesn't exactly it, roll It off looks nice visually, though. Yeah, uh, I opened that Twitter handle, I think, in 2009. Uh, it's been around for a while, which is why it's a little bit outdated. Of course, you can update the Twitter handle. You don't always have to be that. But then all of my plugs and links across the internet will be broken. And can't have that. No. If you are listening to this episode, you might be listening on SoundCloud or you might be listening on iTunes because we are available on iTunes now. If you go into your phone or into your podcasting app of choice, you can search for agency broadcast and you can find us straight in there. Subscribe, like, review, do all the things that help us gain the visibility because we do have a lot of guest agencies on the show and I want to get the word out to as many people as possible. What's more, you can go to hubspot.com slash agency dash broadcast to sign up for the notifications directly from HubSpot because we do record most of these episodes live and we do try to take questions during the recordings as well. Go to hubspot.com slash agency dash broadcast Sign up for the notifications. You will also receive info on what upcoming episodes are going to happen in the coming weeks and months, as well as additional resources that we are working on. And that is something interesting that I'm going to tease out a little bit because we've got some pretty cool things. And stay tuned in the coming weeks because it is going to be ready very soon. Thanks again, Kyle. Thank you. 
And thank you, everybody. We will see you all next time. Music. Da, 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 da,